We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the week 13 quote-unquote expert quote-unquote roundtable. My name is Adam Levitan, father of the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And as always, I am joined by a man connected to his internet by hemp, a man who is DFS's sharpest hippie. It is JM to win. JM, what's going on? Man, this legend is just building, isn't it? By next year, I'm going to be living in a treehouse and, uh, I don't know, running my internet off of water-powered energy or something. Yeah, somewhere out in Zimbabwe or something like that. <laughs> right. um, yeah, what's going on, man? You're back home, I can see, after the Thanksgiving trip. Um, how was the trip? Uh, it was all right. It was better than uh, last weekend. Did you have a bunch of Julio last weekend? Of course, man. You know how I roll. <laughs> I somehow, like, Stone Miracle found the nuts on both sides. It was like... Really wild. But anyways, we're not here to talk about last week. Uh, this slate, for the first time in a long time, DraftKings has a 13-game slate. Uh, no bye weeks, um, no Saturday games, uh, only one Thursday game. So 13 games, there is a lot, a lot to chew on, uh, a lot more than normal, I think, especially at the wide receiver position, I would say. So we better get into it. As always, we are talking about DraftKings scoring, DraftKings pricing specifically, um, which does make a very, very, very big difference. Uh, initial impressions on the DK 13-game uh, slate jam. Initial impressions. I don't think that there are a lot of must-pay-up places. I think that there are a lot of places uh, where we can pay down and feel pretty comfortable with what we're getting. So that opens up a lot of flexibility in the approach that we can take. I don't think that there's just one boxed-in approach or one clear best approach this week, which I like quite a bit. Uh, I think it's a good week for tournaments. It's a good week to try some different things. Definitely a good week to think for yourself because there are a lot of really strong plays that are not names that people would typically gravitate towards. So I think because of that, we'll see low ownership on a lot of these guys. Yeah, and anytime you have a big slate, ownership is going to be more spread out. Like I have a couple guys I think projected over 25%, but the vast majority of guys – uh, I have below 20% and certainly some interesting plays projected below 10% or so at the quarterback position. There's a ton of guys in play. I mean, I can think of like seven under 5,600, 5,600 and under that uh, maybe are okay. So um, why don't we start there at the cheap range of quarterback? The two guys I want to get your take on to start uh, are both in the same game. Uh, both have amazing matchups, Brett Hundley, uh, it's home against his Tampa defense, which is absolutely atrocious. Brett Hundley has been wildly inconsistent, like one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks you can find 
in terms of how he's played uh, in a home game against uh, Tampa, who has no pass rush, who has no corners, uh, seems like a really good spot for Brent Hundley at 5,100. And then also Jameis Winston, if you believe he's healthy, which, which I kind of do, there's no reason for them to rush him out. Jameis Winston gets to face this funneling Packers defense, which is strong against the run, extremely weak uh, against the pass. Jameis obviously has awesome weapons. We saw Jameis go over 21 DK points in three of his first five games before I think the shoulder became an issue. So uh, talk to me about that game between the Bucks and Packers and how do you feel about those quarterbacks? I think that Jameis, we'd have to call him the most underpriced quarterback on this slate. He threw the ball 38 or more times in five straight uh, healthy games before going down. He topped 300 yards in four of those five games. So to get that at 5,600 without Doug Martin, without an offensive line that can run block anyway against a team that's top eight against the run and bottom five against the pass, it's just a perfect spot for Jameis, it's a perfect spot to use Jameis and Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson together. Uh, I like Jameis quite a bit. Uh, Hunley, I don't think that we need to go there for 500 less. I mean, we could talk about his rushing upside, but the dude is top 22 rushing yards only once. So you're looking at one or two points there. I mean, that's the same thing you're going to get from Trevor Simeon is, is 10 to 20 rushing yards. So uh, the matchup's obviously excellent. I think that Hunley could put up 300 yards, three touchdowns. But uh, I think that Jameis is, is like the lock and load play. He's the guy to use in cash games. He's the guy to feel most comfortable with in tournaments. And, and just like you, yeah, I think there's a lot of cheap guys I'd be comfortable using. I don't think there's a need to pay up. We can get 15 to 20 on the cheap end, and then you pay up for you know 20 to 25. So uh, really like paying down this week. I like Jameis the most out of all these guys, but there are a few other guys down here that I like as well. You know, one other guy below uh, Jameis that I do like uh, is Josh McCown, uh, former hero of the cash game. If For those guys that remember, uh, I had him in cash when he was on uh, the Browns last year, broke his collarbone, went to the locker room, comes back into the game after the x-ray reveals that he broke his collarbone, comes back into the game and finishes it. I, I mean, dude is just a legend. And he do a goes, touchdown pass for the yeah. cash game win. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, what a hero. And, and then uh, this year with the Jets, with his uh, weapons, quote unquote, as obviously Robbie Anderson is the man, but not much behind him over his last seven games. He's averaging over 20 DK points per game. Like that's what Tom Brady is doing. It's so absurd. So Josh McCown is only 5,500 against the defense in Kansas City, which is so bad. They scraped up Darrell Rivas off the pavement and signed him. Uh, how do you feel about McCown versus Hundley and Winston? I mean, after that intro for McCown, anything I say is going to sound like a downer. <laughs> like, this dude just became Superman in the last three minutes. Um, so my one concern with McCown, and I like McCown a lot. McCown is right there at the top among these cheap guys. My one concern. So you're talking about Robbie Anderson, right? Six touchdowns in his last five games. The dude has one red zone catch all season. So, like, realistically, that's not sustainable. The Jets are relying heavily on long touchdown passes for their touchdowns. So I think that – I think it's a great spot for McCown. We've seen what the ceiling is. The floor is lower than he's shown lately just because if a couple of these long passes don't reach the end zone, don't go for scores, that's going to be a bit of an issue for him. Like, he could post a 250-yard one touchdown game. Uh, with that said, I like him quite a bit. I like Jameis more as a safer play, but I think they have equal upside. I'd be fine with McCown in tournaments for sure. All right. Other guys, the low end, I think Tyrod, I probably wouldn't end up playing just because of the way that New England has handled him, but he's at least in play. Blake Bortles, really good matchup. No Rashawn Melvin. I think Blaine Gabbert, people are realizing, is not the laughing stock they once thought he was. And a guy who actually I actually don't think is the laughing stock or won't be the laughing stock people think he is, is Geno Smith too. Uh, any interest in going down to any of those guys? Uh, I hadn't really thought much about Gino or Gabbert. Uh, Gabbert, that's supposed to be my job to bring him up, but uh, I appreciate the assist there. Uh, I don't. I, I like Simeon more in this range. I think that Simeon, uh, worst case scenario, we could break down the numbers, but worst case scenario is 13 or 14 points. Um, best case is probably 18 to 20, so you're not looking at a ton of upside, but I do think he gets you 13 or 14 with a bad game. I think he can get you 18 or 20. So I'm fine just stopping there. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, what are Gino's expectations with 
Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram to throw to. You have any concerns about that? Of course. Yeah. I, I just like people who think he's just like worse than Eli are just grossly mistaken. Like uh, Gino has been strong in the preseason, has been strong by all reports uh, in practice. I don't think he's a laughing stock. I'm not saying I would play him. Uh, like if the, if the salary gap was different, right. If it wasn't like uh, Jameis is only 1100 more than Gino, then you can make a better argument for Gino. But with the way DraftKings has quarterbacks, everybody is so tight together that you can't really make a good case. Speaking of which, uh, Drew Brees is only 900 more than Jameis Winston. Matchup isn't great, but he is home uh, against Carolina. Any interest in finding the 900 to get to Drew Brees? Yeah, I thought about that when I, you know, I was rereading my game by game breakdown, and I put that Breeze only has one game all year of of three touchdowns. And it was against the Panthers. He only went for 220 yards in that game. So he's shown that the upside is just not what it's been in the past. They're not using him like they used to use him. They're not, um, you know, he doesn't really look quite the same as he has. I mean, this dude's 39 years old. Not not everyone passes for 5,000 yard, yards until they're 41. Um, so, I mean, I have some concerns there. I don't think that he's as safe as Jameis, which is weird to say, but just the way that they're using him, I think that's the case. With that said, the upside's definitely there. I think that he's someone that, you know, kind of like I was doing, everyone will just overlook and he'll get 3 4% ownership. I don't think he puts up the sort of game that makes a huge difference, like the 30-point game you would really want, but I think that the upside is, is definitely there. Um, just a little bit more than him. I actually like Jared Goff quite a bit at 6,700. I've had a few teams where I had the salary left over to go from Jameis to Goff and felt like that was the best improvement for the team. Um, So, I I mean, I think that Goff has a pretty high expectation at this point. The Rams have become a pass-heavy team the last four or five weeks. I think it's important to pay attention to how McVay has handled this offense. You know, earlier in the year, it was like they were building for the future, protecting Goff, preventing him from making mistakes. Now that's no longer the game they're playing. Now they seem to be prepping for the playoffs, prepping for situations where Goff will have to win the game. So uh, even if it's a blowout, I think he gets 35 to 38 pass attempts again, and I like him as well this week. Um, yeah, I think that sounds like I'm a little higher on Breeze than you. I think you can make a case that this Carolina run defense with Luke Keekley playing could force Breeze to the air more. And with Marshawn Lattimore possibly not playing once again, you can make a case that this – Saints defense without Alex Okafor, without uh, starting free safety Marcus Williams, possibly without Marshawn Lattimore, that Cam can do some things and force Breeze to the air more. So I will. Uh, one thing, too, that concerns me there, just on the, the Saints as a whole, the Panthers rank 32nd in pace of play. They've allowed the fewest opponent plays per game, which is factoring into them allowing the second fewest yards. So, I mean, no matter what, they're going to try to slow down this game and keep the ball out of Breeze's hands. I think that's probably my biggest concern there for just workload on all these guys. Yeah, good point. Um, at the higher range, I think Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees, uh, Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady are obviously uh, pretty strong plays. I'm not sure how many people are going to go up to them, though, especially Tom Brady, who is now 7,800. Uh, any interest in paying up to be contrarian with Brady or Rivers? Yeah, in theory. Uh, so the thing is just what what am I looking for from Brady? I guess 25 to 28 points. And I kind of think Jameis gets, gets us like 21 or 22. So I don't know how much I gain by using that salary there. I do think that Brady puts up 25 points pretty easily in this spot. Um, obviously, there's concern that the Patriots could lean on the run more heavily, but um, – you know, generally speaking, he's the highest raw raw point projection on the slate. Um, I just think that we can get close enough to that score without the salary. Rivers, I, I'm always a little bit concerned about using guys against Cleveland just because they're not giving up yards. It's just points. So I think that Rivers will get, you know, anywhere from two to four touchdowns. It'll just be tough for him to to top 250 yards along the way. So if he gets two touchdowns and 250, then you're kind of overpaying for what you get from him. Yeah, Uh I don't, I guess I, I like Jameis for sure. I don't think he's as like risk free as you do. And we'll move on after this. I, I just want to say uh, two offensive linemen out uh, on the road in Lambeau coming off of a throwing shoulder injury uh, gives me some pause to be like Jameis is a total slam dunk. Do you have any concerns on those three concerns? Yeah, I think that those are all viable. I think what I'm looking at is what are they third? I think third in passing play percentage, maybe fourth um, and then playing a a pass funnel defense. There's just so much volume and so little talent on the Packers back end. 
great weapons with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I think it's just going to be tough for Jameis to fail in this spot if he throws it 38 to 40 times, which is, you know, basically exactly where we should peg our expectations. It's hard for him to not top 250 yards and, and punch a couple scores in and everything from there is, is you know, extra that we get for, for his price. Okay. Any other quarterbacks? Uh, no, we covered it. Okay, at the running back position, we're waiting on some injury news. I think one of the biggest injuries of the slate, I don't know if you agree or not, is Aaron Jones, because if Aaron Jones is out, we're looking at a situation where Jamal Williams, once again, will be playing around 90% of the snaps, three down plus goal line work at 4,700. Are you waiting? um, Are you leaving room in your roster for the Aaron Jones news in anticipation of possibly or possibly not using Jamal Williams? Yeah, things are actually pretty easy for me because there's several backs in that range that I like. I like Duke Johnson against a Chargers team that is best attacked on the ground, best attacked through the air with running backs. Bottom three in you know, receptions to running backs, yards to running backs through the air, yards to running backs on the ground. Uh, so I'd be fine with Duke Johnson. I think we're locking in 12 points there with upside for 20. Uh, Alex Collins is going to get 16 or so carries and you know probably two or three targets. That's what he's getting every week. The Lions have allowed the second most rushing touchdowns in the league. So uh, I'm fine with either of those guys. I think I like Jamal Williams a little bit more if he's getting the 22 to 25 touches. But um, but if Jamal Williams is out, it should be a pretty easy pivot for me. I mean, I'm still messing around with things, but there are several guys in that range that I'm comfortable with. You didn't mention Kenyon Drake, who um, is – well, I don't know. Is it a tough matchup or not? I guess is one question. This Denver defense is on the road. They will not have Derek Wolf. They will not have Domina Pecco, Pecco um, two of their best run stuffers. Uh, Kenyon Drake was a third round pick last year, has caught a ball once every 12 snaps in his NFL career. I think he projects to play around 50 snaps in this game. His only backups are Signorese Perry, uh, and a dude they called up off the practice squad, neither of whom have played an offensive snap this year. It uh, seems to me that a fair projection for Kenyon Drake touches is 14, 15 carries, three, four catches. Does that interest you at 4,900? It does. I think that he's going to go severely over-owned if we look at the fact uh, – I mean, and can Kenyon Drake put up 20 points – Absolutely. Is that the likeliest scenario? I don't think so at all. The Dolphins are a pathetic run offense. They're averaging 79.2 rushing yards a game from their running backs. And that's in, in the average matchup they've faced. So you take, even if, um, you know, even with the Broncos missing two key run stoppers, it's not like the Dolphins have just played elite run defenses every game and they're almost never topping 80 yards total from all their running backs. So, um, you know, I, I just have concerns that what we're going to see from Drake is four or five catches, 60 or 70 yards. And if he doesn't score, uh, that's not getting a whole lot done for you. Um, I'm fine with Drake, but I like all three of these guys we talked about more than I like Drake at this point. Okay. For 1000 more than Drake, you can have yourself Carlos Hyde, who has been targeted at an egregious, like an absolutely absurd rate over the last month. Will that continue, though, with C.J. Beathard out and hopefully a more competent and more aggressive uh, Jimmy Garoppolo now under center for the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, 8.3 targets per game across his last six, which is – that's a wide receiver who's priced at 7K. Uh, granted, Carlos Hyde's passes are getting him like 20 receiving yards per game, but I still think we lock him in for four catches for 20 yards as a floor. Jimmy Garoppolo focused pretty heavily on Julian Edelman and James White and Martellus Bennett when he was starting last year. So I do expect passes to continue going to Carlos Hyde. I mean, Aldrick Robinson and Marquise Goodwin are not number one receivers. So I think we can still lock in 13 to 16 carries. I've messed around with a lot of teams that have, Hyde and then one of these sub 5k running backs and and no running back above that um and I would be perfectly fine with that because I think we can get you know 30 to 40 combined points pretty easily by going that direction while saving quite a bit in salary uh one other guy in the sub 5k range I've gotten a lot of questions on uh I have not played him once this year I don't know if I doubt I will this week too but with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree out the Raiders are still big home favorites uh, against the Giants. They gave Marshawn Lynch 20 carries 
last week. Um, I assume you're out on him because he will not catch more than two passes in a game. Yeah, in theory. Um, if you actually break down, though, like just an average yardage expectation for the Raiders and don't get crazy with your projections, um, you can tally up about 84 points, DraftKings points from uh, Carr, Cordero Patterson, Seth Roberts, Jared Cook, and Marshawn Lynch, uh, which sounds crazy to play all five together. But if you play all five together, you're looking at – it's basically like 3.6 points per dollar. I know we don't think point per dollar – as our foundation, but when you're talking about among five guys, um, that puts you on pace for about 180 points. So I think it is viable. I, I mean, I think Lynch is viable alone if he actually gets the 20-plus carries again that he got last week. We don't know that that'll be the case. But I would actually feel comfortable in cash games or tourneys going with uh, what we'll call the Golden State stack, just take five dudes from Oakland uh, and throw Marshawn Lynch in there along with it. So. Uh, it's kind of a crazy one I stumbled across today. Uh, I don't think you'll see anybody actually do it outside of possibly me, but it is viable for like genuinely 80 plus points as a floor from, from these guys. I mean, it's their entire offense this week. Yeah. Yeah. Prices did not change a lot on the Oakland guys. Let's keep going up here. Melvin Gordon has a home game against Cleveland whose run defense uh, I thought um, would get exposed with the injuries they've had with how many times they get put in difficult situations, it just creates like uh, scoring opportunities for opposing running backs when Deshaun Kaiser is turning the ball over and getting sacked constantly uh, leads to time of possession. Uh, Melvin Gordon has been wildly inefficient. He is 7,400. And then Leonard Fournette, uh, finally off the injury report, practicing in full this week, home game against the Colts. Uh, we have seen TJ Yeldon play a lot in passing situations, but they may not have a lot of passing situations like this Jacksonville defense is going to swallow up Jacoby Brissett, who has taken the most sacks in the league. Um, it's just a nightmare spot for Jacoby Brissett and the Colts offense. So uh, do you have interest in Fournette or Melvin Gordon or anybody else in the higher range at running back? Uh, speaking of Brissett, he's taken uh, – or the Colts as a team have taken more sacks than the Jaguars have on defense than the Jaguars lead the NFL. So mm -hmm. – Basically, the Colts have made the average team they face look better than the Jaguars' pass rush. Uh, it's just a horrible spot for them. I agree with you on that. Um, you skipped over a guy that we would normally not talk about in a show with me because of my affinity for pass-catching backs, but I think Jordan Howard this week against a 49ers team that's still first in pace of play, I believe second in opponent plays per game, first in running back rush attempt space. Howard – should get 25 to 30 carries this week. I think that's a reasonable expectation. They're not giving early down work to Benny Cunningham and Tariq Cohen. So I'm actually completely fine with Howard this week. Uh, no interest in Gordon just because we're overpaying for 16 carries and two to four catches. Um, can he post 20 points? Absolutely. But uh, I think we're overpaying for his actual expectation. Fournette, uh, is a tougher one just because, yeah, I do think he gets 25 to 30 carries and um, only going to catch two or three passes more than likely, but it is a smash spot. I probably won't use him at 7,800, but I fully expect him to get to 20 plus points. So I have no arguments against him. It's just not um, typically how I would construct a roster given the way that he's using that offense. Uh, yeah, I played Jordan Howard in cash on DK the week he was home against the Packers and Brett Hundley. And it was just a disaster because uh, the Packers got a lead. And next thing we knew, Jordan Howard wasn't even on the field. And I knew that was going to happen. I just expected the Bears to play well. So if you think Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to go out there and win this game, uh, you just can't play Jordan Howard. Would you, would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, his, his 20 carry games were in wins or close losses. So you're definitely taking risk with Jordan Howard. Uh, it's notable that they are a home favorite. And again, I mean, Garoppolo's a, a fine quarterback, may even be a good quarterback long-term, but he has no one to throw to. So I'm not super concerned about it. Um, to be honest, I, I like Howard a lot on paper and I've put him on like one team that I've messed around with. So I probably won't end up using him, but I do think he's a strong play this week. One piece of news that came out today that I thought was interesting, Charkandrick West will not play on Sunday for personal reasons. Charkandrick West has siphoned off like, 30% of the snaps and four catches per game over the last three from Kareem Hunt. Uh, they will do, Andy Reid said today they will go with two running backs. They're not calling anybody up. They will go with Kareem Hunt, and they will go with Akeem Hunt. No relation, uh, I believe. In theory, <laughs> uh, 
in theory, this raises the floor of Kareem Hunt significantly. The matchup is not great uh, against the Jets, but in theory, Kareem Hunt down at 6,900, everybody is so tilted about this guy. They're probably not going to play him. Um, any interest in Kareem Hunt given the news today? Yeah, I, the news really isn't swinging me that much just because I think Andy Reid can still find a way to use Akeem Hunt in Charkandrick West's role. I mean, Andy Reid's been doing this to us for a decade now in season long and DFS. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the concern with the Chiefs isn't talent. It's just that they don't get in the, in the red zone. They're almost never in the red zone. When they are in the red zone, they don't score. Um, I believe they're 27th in the NFL in – in actual scoring opportunities, red zone scoring opportunities. So um, the, the floor is, is still a concern for me. I think that what we saw early in the season from Hunt is still what he can do. So I'm fine with it in tournaments. Uh, right now, I, I like Hunt this week. I like Tyree Kill this week. I like Travis Kelsey this week. But I'm not trusting any of them in cash games just because of the way that this offense has run lately. Yep, Alex Smith is who he thought, who we thought he was. Uh, last thing to get to at running back is these high price guys. Todd Gurley uh, matchup isn't great, but we know the volume will be there. Although I would note Lance Dunbar and Malcolm Brown both expected to play for the Rams this week. Alvin Kamara is the highest priced running back on DraftKings this week, even though we can really only have like a 14 touch projection for him. And Mark Ingram is 500 cheaper than Alvin Kamara, but um, Mark Ingram, I think, has a better goal line role and probably a better uh, overall touch projection as well. So any interest in going all the way up to those guys? I like Gurley the most out of it just because of the guaranteed touches inside the five, the guaranteed catches. Kamara, if he smashes again, I just won't be there. Uh, I can't – I mean, he's almost at Le'Veon Bell's price for 30-plus touches, and he's getting – 11 to 17 touches each week obviously we've seen that that he can do work on those touches I just can't pay that for I mean if he were going to be one or two percent owned maybe but he still pulls eight to ten percent every week at this price so I can't go there Ingram um you know last week I I went Ingram over Gurley and in retrospect it made no sense with Ingram's pass game role drying up so I think that a lot of these high price guys are fine I think that we're overpaying for the workload without you know we don't have David Johnson here we don't have Le'Veon Bell we don't have eight catches from these guys um, I think that Carlos Hyde's a better like raw point projected play than a lot of these guys anyway and he's quite a bit cheaper so I don't think we have to pay up for any of these guys I wouldn't be surprised if a handful of them put up 20 to 25 points I also wouldn't be surprised if if the other half of them were at 15 points or so for 7k or more um Last week at this time, we said if you liked Rex Burkhead the previous week, you should like him again. I feel the same way this week about Devontae Booker. If you liked Devontae Booker last week, well, this week he's in a better spot because Trevor Simeon's under center, just as good of a matchup against Miami. That would be my one off-the-board play, Devontae Booker. Anything off-the-board for you? Uh, yeah, if you liked Devontae Booker last week, you're – like me and you're probably an idiot. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know, like – Booker, I got all excited last week. I thought he'd get 15-plus touches. The, the dude's played eight games, right? He's gone over 10 touches once. So uh, I, I'm chalking that up as a mistake and staying away myself. Uh, Burkhead, I actually think, is a quality play, given what Buffalo has given up on the ground. Um, I think that Burkhead and Deion Lewis will combine for 30 to 35 points. Um, they cost a little too much to play them together, but I think you could pick and choose between those two in tournaments. Let's move to the wide receiver position. We can start at the bottom where Seth Roberts is theoretically being thrust into a number one wideout role against the Giants team playing without Janoris Jenkins. We know Derek Carr has a lot of trust in Seth Roberts because he gave him 21 red zone targets last year, which was just, uh, agree I mean, I don't even know why, how that happened, but it did happen. Uh, he thought that the Raiders like Seth Roberts. They gave him a contract extension uh, this offseason. He is 3,700. Um, I gave, I believe I only gave Seth Roberts seven targets in my projections just because I think Patterson will be involved. I think Holton will be involved. I think Dewash will be involved. I think Cook will be involved. I think Richard will be involved. But that said, we're talking about 3,700 for seven targets. That would still be a good deal, right? Yeah, I think, I think seven targets is a great projection. We haven't been 
jamming in Crabtree or Cooper uh, and granted they're, you know, in the 5k to 6k range and we haven't been regretting it because they were none of the, you know, neither of these guys are getting to 20 points ever. So I think that Roberts, it's unlikely that he gets to, you know, 18 or 20 points. I think he can get to 12 or 15. I think you'll be happy having him. I don't think that if you fade him, you're going to be beating yourself up just because that's not what this Raiders passing attack has been. So I'm comfortable with him for 12 to 15 points, which again is great at his price. I'm actually com- just as comfortable with Cordero Patterson. I think that uh, we'll see them get the ball into his hands on some short passes. Uh, they'll use him downfield a little bit more than they'll use Seth Roberts downfield. I'm not really on Holton just because he's kind of a, a deep shot or nothing guy, but I'm comfortable with these other two. Uh, my favorite, I think, down here is actually Josh Reynolds. Uh, we can play this who is Patrick Peterson on game, and, and Patrick Peterson will be on Sammy Watkins. Reynolds saw six targets last week with, Wat- with Watkins getting nine. So I think that this week Reynolds could easily jump up to eight or nine targets. Um, he and Cooper Cup will be the main guys in the passing attack this week. And he's priced only 3,500. So I love Reynolds this week in this price range as well. Uh, Alan Hearns will miss again. The Jaguars are home against the Colts. D.D. Westbrook has seen 16 targets in his first two NFL games. Current president of team preseason won the Belitnikoff Award last year as the college football's best wideout. Uh, the problem for me on D.D. is I expect the Colts to just get absolutely smoked by this Jaguars defense setting up a low-volume game for Blake Bortles, but if I'm wrong and it turns into some kind of shootout somehow, uh, or Blake Bortles is forced into 35 passes or so, Didi, I think will be a good play at 4,100. And then moving up from him, 600, we already talked about him, is Deshaun Jackson. Um, was on the injury report this week with a foot injury. Think he will be fine. But if you think Jameis is going to play well, as I think both me and J- JM do, then you have to think that Deshaun Jackson will play well as well. Right, JM? Yeah, so Didi... Uh, it's a weird thing with the Jags, right? They're 32nd in passing play percentage. They run the ball more frequently than any team in the league, but Bortles is getting his 30 attempts each week. And it's because uh, their defense is just so good that the Jaguars, I believe have run the second most plays in the NFL this year. So I think we'll still see 30 pass attempts from Bortles, worst case 28. My big concern or my bigger concern there is, uh, you know, in Didi's two games, We've had Marquise Lee covered by Jason McCourty and then Patrick Peterson. So I don't think that the targets are, uh, you know, as, as predictable as they appear. I'm pegging him at six to eight targets and Marquise Lee at eight to 10. I think people will completely overlook Marquise Lee this week, which makes him a strong tournament play. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the matchup couldn't be better. The talent is there on both these guys. Either of these guys could post hundred yards and two touchdowns on, on seven or eight looks. So I'm completely fine with either guy. Um, I think that we're guessing on DD's workload a little bit more than it appears, but I do think that we can peg him for six to eight targets um, on Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's seeing eight targets basically every game. Uh, he's fourth in the NFL in average depth of target. Jameis Winston is, I believe second or third in average intended air yards. I mean, the guy likes to throw the ball downfield it's a good spot for it. So I just think that we can, we can rely on Deshaun for 12, 13 points as a floor. And obviously he has quite a bit of upside from there. And I think that pretty much covers it for these cheaper guys for me outside of uh, Dontrell Inman, who just based on total play volume for the bears is basically locked into about uh, eight targets again this week. It's worth noting that Trubisky's thrown seven red zone passes this season, which is like, the, the fewest you can have this deep into the year. But I think Inman has a nice floor this week. I lost you. I don't know if everybody else did too. Sorry. Oh, I was on, there we I go. Was on mute. My fault. Uh, before we move on, we need to mention the resurrection. Uh, he's sober. He's back in the NFL. Uh, everybody's rooting for him. He hasn't played since 2014. It is Josh Gordon. Hugh Jackson, who is a total clown, as we have discussed many times on this show, goes into the media this week and says that, are you crazy? Of course, Josh Gordon is starting. He's going to play uh, every snap, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean he said every snap. He said he's going to, he won't be on a snap count and, uh, you know, he's going to start and play the whole game or something like that is what he said. You can go on my Twitter and find the exact quote. Uh, do you believe um, Hugh Jackson? And if you do, do you want to test out Josh Gordon in his first game since 2014? 
uh, against Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, and the best pass rush in the NFL? My hope is that the Browns completely bomb in this spot and they play the Packers next week and then maybe ownership's low. I mean, if we look at who Deshaun Kaiser has had to throw to this year, right? He's been thrown to Rashard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, Kenny Britt. We don't know how good or bad Deshaun Kaiser is realistically. The four games with Corey Coleman have been against basically the four best pass defenses in the NFL, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Baltimore, uh, Coleman's put up usable scores. Kaiser's put up 19 plus in two of those four games. So I think it's totally reasonable to run out a tournament team with Kaiser, Gordon, Coleman. Um, I wouldn't put too much money behind it because we're guessing so much. Uh, the matchup's horrible. I believe the charge have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. Just a lot of this lines up poorly, but um, I mean, we don't know. Maybe Kaiser actually is good. Maybe he can actually get the ball to Coleman and Gordon. I think it's worth taking a shot in tournaments. I wouldn't put much money behind it. Uh, and, you know, I think optimally they just look awful this week and we can load up on them at low ownership next week against the Packers. All right, two of my favorite plays in the mid-range both play for the same team when Trevor Simeon is under center. We know where the targets are going. They're going to Manny Sanders. They're going to DT. Um, they face this Miami defense, which has two of the worst corners in the NFL. Xavier Howard is actually PFF's worst graded corner. And Cordria Tankersley has not been a whole lot better. Uh, Manny Sanders is 4,900, the cheapest he's been since, I believe, 2014. Um, do you have a preference between Manny and DT, and do you like them? I don't know that I do have a preference. Do you? It's so hard. This is why I end up never playing these guys, because I, I don't know. Um, I think that we can we can always kind of peg Demarius's floor as a little bit higher just because he gets those screen passes. He gets some short passes designed just to get the ball into his hands, uh, whereas Emmanuel Sanders is going to take his targets a little bit farther downfield, has a higher likelihood of getting one of these four or five point games. Um, Emmanuel Sanders averaged, I believe it was five for 53 in five games with, with Simeon under center and DT was at five for 65. So it's not like either of these guys are just, you know, locked into 15 plus points. DT had zero touchdowns with Simeon under center, but uh, I mean, the matchup couldn't be better. And like you said, we know the targets are going there. We know we're going to see seven, eight, nine, ten 10 targets a piece for these guys. So I think that they're both completely viable. I'm leaning Demarius a little bit more just because the floor is a little bit higher. Um, I think that Emmanuel Sanders ceiling is, is a little, is a little bit higher, like the chances of a 25 or 30 point game, but um, you know, neither guy is really likely to hit their ceiling given the way this offense has been playing. So I'm fine going Demarius there, but it's close for me. Uh, a player I expect to be extremely popular is Cooper Cup. We already talked about Sammy Watkins being shadowed by Patrick Peterson. Cooper Cup had a really good game uh, last week. I think we saw him uh, see more snaps in two wide receiver sets. Uh, regardless, he is for sure going to be uh, Jared Goff's favorite target in this game. He is up to 6,400. Is that too expensive for Cooper Cup? It's a little too expensive. Um, this guy isn't like a downfield threat. You know, his he was in more two wide sets, but his role didn't change significantly. I think we're, you know, you're basically viewing him as a Julian Edelman. With that said, we, you know, felt comfortable paying about this price for Edelman last year. Cup is getting the red zone work, as we've talked about on this show throughout the season. Uh, so I'm fine with it. I am fine with playing him and Goff and Reynolds together and just taking the guaranteed points, um, knowing that Patrick Peterson is going to take away a lot of targets from Sammy Watkins. So I can't justify Cup as an individual play as easily as I can justify just playing them all as a package deal. But I do think that Cup gets 15 points in a, in a you know poor scenario. I just don't think he can get much more than, what, the 22 he had last week. Do you see him having – more upside than what he showed last week? No, not not in this spot. I mean, we have seen uh, Honey Badger gamble a lot, I think. It's kind of been his reputation out of the slot. But, you know, I think Honey Badger I still have some respect for. So I don't think it's as good of a matchup as last week when we saw no Marshawn Lattimore, no Ken Crawley for the Saints. So for that reason, I mean, it's 1,500 more. I still think Cooper Cup is a fine play. I, I'd be okay playing him individually. But, yeah, I don't think that we're going to see more than 20 points. Um there are a lot of wide receivers to play in this like 6,500 to 8,300 range. I mean, there are so many options. I think the most popular one 
will be DeAndre Hopkins, considering the floor he's shown uh, in the matchup. Um, but I think Mike Evans will be popular. I think Adam Thielen will be popular. I think Brandon Cooks will be popular. I think Keenan Allen will be popular. I think some, like Michael Thomas, even though he hasn't had a blow-up game yet, people play Michael Thomas every week. Uh, does anybody stand out in this range, which I expect to be like most lineup constructions, I expect to have at least two of these guys. Yeah, so Keenan Allen, I'm fine not using. The Browns have been tremendous against the slot this year. Target expectations are going to be lower because of that. Uh, I won't be surprised if he posts a good game, but just these four guys below him that you mentioned, I just like a lot more. Uh, Hopkins is, I think, a guy that I'll lock onto any um, any roster that I put in any significant sort of buy-in level. I think I'll have him in all my cash games, all my high-dollar tournaments. Just like you said, I mean, the floor is so high, and then obviously the ceiling is enormous. After that, it's probably Evans and Thielen for me, neck and neck. Uh, I mean, Mike Evans is just like, the worst in the NFL after the catch this dude catches the ball and falls down but he's going to see the targets he's going to see eight to 11 targets he's going to get you know end zone work he has a lot of upside in this spot and then feeling against Brian Poole who's allowing like an 81 percent completion rate Poole has allowed the second most receptions in the NFL uh, I've been asked a lot of questions today about Stefan Diggs with true font out but you look at Diggs he hasn't topped seven targets in in over two months and Thielen's had double-digit targets in five of his last six games. I mean, we can lock him in in a good matchup to, I think, a, a bad game for Thielen. You're still looking at six for 60, six for 70, something like that, and just tremendous upside from there. And then again, yeah, Brandon Cooks with Chris Hogan out. We've seen the workload he's getting. So I'm fine with any of these four guys. I'd love to have two of them on my lineup this week. Um, definitely the range that I'm looking in. Uh, and I think we skipped over Devontae Adams as well, who I think is going to be Popular and is in a really good spot against Tampa Bay, and we've seen how much Hunley is locked onto him. I think he's still underpriced at 6,500. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention Devontae Adams as well. Um, I think some other guys maybe more off the board we didn't hit on. Uh, Robbie Anderson's price, he would be a pay-up to be contrarian play. Uh, for me, obviously overpriced. He's not going to score 60-yard touchdowns every week, but uh, he certainly has big plays in him. Marquise Lee, you mentioned uh, Devin Funches is off the injury report and possibly no Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, and then one that I think is way off the board, but uh, I like is Devontae Parker. We know that Jarvis Landry will be guarded by Chris Harris. We know that Kenny Stills has been an afterthought mostly for Jay Cutler. And Jay Cutler likes throwing to Devontae Parker, 8.8 targets per game for Devontae Parker uh, when uh, Jay Cutler and him play a full game together. So uh, Devontae Parker is 4,500. He's 2,000 less than he was two weeks ago. Uh, it's thin, but I, I am at least intrigued by uh, that. How crazy is that? I think that's sharp. I mean, I, I don't know that I'll pull the trigger on it. Certainly not something I'd put significant money behind, but they're going to throw the ball somewhere. Like you said, Parker's going to get the targets. I think that you could definitely get 20-plus points there. Uh, same goes for Jordy Nelson for 100 cheaper. I think that's one of the guys off the board that catches my eye just because, um, you know, if you look at the run of matchups he's had, it's been really difficult. Obviously, Hundley hasn't been throwing to him, but that could swing the other way this week. I don't expect it to, but it's worth taking a shot in case it does. And I'm not really that concerned with uh, Xavier Rhodes on Julio Jones in a, you know, one-on-one -on -one matchup-driven perspective the issue obviously is the targets whether or not the Falcons will force the issue I don't think they will but if they give Julio 12 targets he's going to get 25 points again um, that's what happened when they give him 12 targets so I think he's worth the shot in tournaments too on the off chance that they just keep feeding him the ball anything else at the wide receiver position man we could talk about like 40 guys this week but I think we've hit on the main guys that we like all right Let's move to tight end where um, DraftKings did a good job of pricing up guys facing the worst tight end defenses. So we know Jared Cook is in an awesome spot because Cooper and Crabtree are out because he's facing the Giants. Uh, Hunter Henry is facing the Browns, who have just been so brutal against tight ends. He is priced up to 4,700. Cook is at 5,400. Extremely expensive for these two guys. Uh, are they too expensive? At what point do we say uh, the matchup is so good? I don't care what I'm paying. I think the point is where we also look at Kelsey and Gronk's prices and see what the gap is between them. One of the reasons we always talk about 
not paying up for Kelsey and Gronk is just because the uh, the gap in pricing on DraftKings is usually so broad. If we compare Gronk to a 7K wide receiver, he's a great play. But if we compare him to what you can get for 3500 or 4K at tight end, uh, it just makes more sense usually to pay down. This week with these guys priced up, I like Cook. Um, I like Doyle against Jacksonville is the only guy they can throw to. I like Henry, but Henry hasn't topped five targets in a month and a half. I mean, if we're getting into this range – with enough value this week, I'd love to make it up to Gronk uh, primarily or Kelsey secondarily. Have you messed around with either of those guys much this week? Mute. 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 I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I'm the worst. Uh, you know, <laughs> I need that hemp internet over here. Uh <laughs> I haven't messed around with lineups yet this week because there's so much injury news out there. But yeah, Kelsey intrigues me. If I was going to play one of these guys in tournaments, it would for sure be Kelsey just because he had such a bad game last week. We know the ownership will be down. And in the past, when Kelsey has had bad games, he's almost always rebounded into huge, huge games. So uh, I like Kelsey here. Obviously, Gronk is absolutely smashed when he's played Buffalo. Uh, friends and family game for him up in Buffalo, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, for 1600 more, quote unquote, only 1600, you can go from Cook to Kelsey, which certainly intrigues me. A um, couple guys you didn't mention in the lower range, Austin Severian Jenkins' price and outlook would be a lot different if he didn't get screwed by the officials like at least two times in the last month, uh, maybe more. Uh, Kyle Rudolph continues to play an extremely large role for the Vikings, particularly in the red zone, they're running a lot of like first read looks for Kyle Rudolph in the red zone. Uh, have you thought about going down to ASJ or Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, I like Kyle Rudolph quite a bit at his price at 4,500. I think that that's the guy I would go to if I'm paying down. Atlanta is a pretty neutral tight end matchup, so the matchup doesn't concern me much. Uh, we've seen the work he's getting, he's going to get seven plus targets uh, on ASJ. It's basically a touchdown or bust spot, right? I mean, Kansas City is. I believe bottom three in completions allowed to tight ends. They've allowed the lowest completion rate to tight ends, but ASJ is getting all these red zone looks. I think he has seven looks inside the 10 so far this year. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you're banking on a touchdown with him. If he doesn't score, he's probably going to get you a disappointing game, but the work is there for him to score. I think you could also look at Julius Thomas at 3,500, which, Sounds crazy, but he's bounced up to the five to eight target range each week. And you talk about who are the Dolphins going to throw to against the Broncos. Well, I mean, the tight end is one of the places to look. So not typically a guy we would look at, but I think on this week, I mean, at 3,500, he makes sense. Um, you have any thoughts on Ricky Seals-Jones at 3,200? Stop, stop. Right? I mean, but this guy's getting what? six targets last week, five the week before since Gabbert took over. I mean, that's real. This guy's getting looks from Gabbert. He's on the field. You can I, think I, him. I think I played him in preseason and he actually got me an air ball. I'm, I'm pretty sure I played <laughs> him. I'm pretty sure I played him in preseason. I'd have to go back and check. Classic Adam. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I didn't even look. Is, did he play any more snaps? Like the first week he played, he only played like he ran like six routes or something like that and got five targets on them or something crazy. Uh, Pro Football Focus didn't even have his uh, like his name available for searching for snap count. No, that's not true. They have everybody. I'll find it. Uh, yeah, find it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, and plus, if you talk about who else is available in that price range, Josh Reynolds, Seth Roberts at other positions. I mean, I don't think we have to go to these guys, but I think they are at least worth bringing up um and on on Gronk I didn't get a chance to give my thoughts on that but just uh his worst game in Buffalo in his career his worst DFS game was 16.4 points so obviously buying into narratives is always you know an iffy proposition can be a trap but uh he scored in five of six games in Buffalo topped 100 yards in four of six games in Buffalo and you know basically he's been a lot for 20 points playing there so at 7300 he's a guy that I have prioritized this week on my rosters um guy between jared cook and kelsey slash gronk that will probably go overlooked just because he's in between there is delaney walker uh we talked about him last week i thought it was a sharp call by you didn't work out because doyle ended up scoring the exact same as delaney walker but delaney walker still had a really good game uh he's 5600 now do you have any interest in him as kind of a contrarian play yeah the 
Tennessee defense is, I mean, I mean, Tennessee offense is just kind of a mess in what they do when they get close to the end zone. They're so protective of the football They're, I mean, they basically their entire offense becomes Alex Smith uh, as an 11 man unit. So I guess I have some concerns. I feel like I kind of got away with one after he saw only five targets last week. Not that it mattered because the rest of my team was atrocious, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Delaney. I think that that's a sharp call as somebody that no one will be on in that same price range as these guys should get what seven, eight, nine targets. And again, he's their, the main guy they look to in the, uh, in the red zone. I don't think we got your full Jared cook take. Uh, is he more, how much does his target uh, projection rise given the injuries um, and how important is that in this matchup against the Giants who have been so bad against tight ends? I don't know. I mean, that's, I feel like we're guessing on Cook, which I hate at 5,400. If this dude was 3,900, then I'd feel comfortable locking him in because we're guessing, but it's an educated guess where there's, there's a lot of foundation of this guess. He gets the targets. He's getting five looks every week. Um, I think we both just hate Jared Cook, right? So it feels awful to pay 5,400. Last week, he was in a phenomenal spot against Denver and it didn't work out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of felt like I dodged a bullet by not using cook last week. So I'm a little nervous just because it's Jared cook, but yeah, everything on paper lines up for him getting seven to nine targets with red zone work. Um, I think he has nine red zone targets this year and Amari and Crabtree have combined for 17. So that leaves some work on the field if they are able to move the ball this week, uh, We've also seen the Giants, you know, have some good defensive games lately and teams have posted disappointing efforts against them. So I'm kind of nervous all the way around with Oakland, but I definitely think Cook's viable, um, just not as safe as Gronk for just a little bit more. Uh, At defense this week, I believe the Jaguars are priced the highest I've seen a defense um, ever. I don't know if that's true or not. I would have to go back and check, but the Jaguars are 4,500. We already talked about how, the Colts have been sacked by a massive margin more than any other team in the entire league. Obviously an awesome spot for the Jaguars. Uh, paying 4500 though, seems uh, suboptimal, uh, is it? Well, it also depends on what else is available. So you got the Ravens at 3100 Is there anything else like in that cheaper range that you feel you can lock in for, you know, 10 to 12 points? Uh, in the cheap range, I had Ravens, Raiders, and Saints as my only options. I mean, and Raiders, you got a team that last in the NFL in sacks, yeah. last in the NFL in turnovers. You forced. would just be hoping, right? You'd be hoping that, and I don't think it's going to happen, but you'd be hoping for like a Geno implosion that like the big media will love. Like, oh, uh, like ESPN can't wait to talk about Geno Smith like imploding if it happens. So I don't want to root for that. So I probably won't play Oakland. <laughs> uh, so I'm fine with the Ravens. Ravens are. Uh, have the most takeaways in the NFL. They're top 10 in, in sacks and in yards allowed, points allowed. I think that that's a sharp play at 3,100, but I'm fine with the Jags or the Chargers at 45 or 4K. I think that if we give like a worst case scenario, the Jags probably get six sacks and one turnover. So that's eight points right there. Plus, you know, you add one to four with, with points allowed. Um, I think a bad game, you're looking at 10 points from the Jags. Chargers, pretty similar. So I'm fine locking in what I feel is is literally a guaranteed 10 points at those positions with upside for 20-plus. Um, I mean, Kaiser turns the ball over so much, and the Chargers should be able to get to him so easily. Brissett takes so many sacks, and the Jaguars get so many sacks that they're pretty locked in plays. Like, it's been a weird year with defense, right? We've had this a lot this year where – like. Last year, we're always looking to pay down, but this year it's just been a lot of spots where it's like, okay, a bad game here is still 10 to 12 points. So um, I feel fine paying up with the value that I like at uh, wide receiver this week. Uh, is that you? What is Oh, that's a cat. It's my oh. cat. She's out of Jerry, who's not here. That's a beautiful animal. Oh, look <laughs> at that. Um, yeah, I actually think that the Chargers will end up more owned than the Jaguars. Maybe I'll be wrong there, but because people are like, oh, 4K, you know, that's what we normally have to pay for the best defense. Fine, I'll, I'll take it. But people are like, oh my God, 4,500. There's no way I'm paying 4,500 for a defense. Maybe I'll be wrong there, but my initial thought is on DK, Chargers will be more owned. Uh, obviously an awesome play. 
Uh, if you want to play anybody else in like the mid range, like the Bears or the Titans or something like that, they'll get them extremely uh, low owned. Don't think that it's too great considering how close they are to the Chargers and the Jaguars. Uh, anything else on defense? No, I mean, as with any of these, if you can get a touchdown from one of these cheaper defenses, you'll be in good shape. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think those top two defenses, and I'll throw the Ravens in there. I mean, they have a, a tougher matchup, but they're going to get sacks. They're going to get one or two turn- turnovers. I think we can lock in a lot of points with these other defenses. So I'm totally fine sitting on chalk with those um, and just hoping that, you know, worst case, I tie the other people who go contrarian, and, and best case, I pick up a lot of extra points. All right. The people uh, need their stacks. They actually don't watch the whole show. They actually just fast forward uh, just to this point of the show because they want to uh, know what your stacks are. So we're going to do one contrarian. We're going to do one chalk. Uh, You can go first. Give me one of those. Tell me if this is contrarian. Derek Carr, (laughs) Cordell Patterson, Seth Roberts, Jared Cook, Marshawn Lynch, Uh, Golden State Warrior stack, throw five Oakland dudes on one team. Lock in 3.6 point per dollar. Uh, you're sitting at 80 to 100 points, and then you got a bunch of money to spend on Gronk, DeAndre Hopkins, Chargers defense, whatever else you want in those other spots. Or uh, if you play that, are you going to bring it back with a giant? Because in theory, you know, like you would want Oakland to have to have their foot on the gas for the whole game. Uh, if I bring it back, I probably won't because Sterling Shepard has been priced up at. Yeah. 7k i'd rather take deandre hopkins or mike evans in that price range um i could see i guess going to evan ingram who we didn't even talk about i think will go overlooked um but i would be fine i think i can get more points from other players even if the giants do well all right for my um chalky stack i am going to just simply go with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and Deshaun Jackson, uh, all three of them. Um, I think there's maybe a lower floor than we gave it credit for at the beginning of the show, given uh, what's going on with the Bucks' offensive line, given what's going on with Jameis's shoulder, given that they're on the road in Lambeau. But if they play well, I certainly expect it to be through the wideout position where the talent is, where Green Bay has struggled so badly. So uh, I think that'll be pretty chalky, but on a 13 game slate and with all the wide receiver options that we talked about, like Mike Evans still might only be, you know, 20% owned, uh, something like that. Uh, I will go, and I guess this isn't chalky, but it is conventional. I'll go Jared Goff to Josh Reynolds and I don't mind throwing Cooper cup in there as well. Uh, I'm not looking to pay up at quarterback, but salary is available. If you're comfortable going with, Uh, with Inman or with Seth Roberts and with Josh Reynolds, some of these cheaper guys. Um, And if you are like me and you like these mid-priced running backs just as much as the high-priced guys. Um, So with that, I wouldn't mind taking the safe points from Goff and going with with a Goff-Reynolds or Goff-Reynolds Cup stack. All right. For my contrarian stack, I am going to go with the God, Josh McGod, Josh McCown. Pair him up with Austin Safarian Jenkins, who has just been absolutely whored by the officials this year, uh, would be higher priced if he wasn't and bring it back with Travis Kelsey. Anytime you have two tight ends in your lineup, you're immediately contrarian. Anytime you're playing a guy off of a total dud like Travis Kelsey had, you're going to be contrarian. And especially when you use Travis Kelsey uh, when he's priced right next to Gronk, who I think uh, in most raw projection models, Gronk would be uh, ahead. So I think that'll be really low owned. and and three guys who I think have a chance to really beat value. And then you could even throw in Robbie Anderson or Ty Fluke in there uh, as kind of guys who I think are overpriced relative to their workload now, but certainly worth considering for GPP and options. Uh, I, got a, I got a feeling you're going to win the Wildcat with that one. Well, I, I would have to win the Wildcat like to get even. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> to get even on tournaments this year, I, I only have to win the, the Wildcat. Thanks no, you for your tournament play. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tournaments are so much fun. Let me tell you guys. Uh, okay. That is going to do it for another episode of the expert quote unquote roundtable quote unquote for JM for Jerry for jam's cat what's the cat's name eden eden for eden i am adam good luck everybody